rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of The Cosmic Force. I'm one of your hosts, Emma Park, and tonight we are doing things a little differently than normal. And by tonight, I actually mean today, because we're actually pre-recording this in the afternoon uh, with uh, Christmas and all. So um, instead of missing a show for the holidays, I thought it'd be fun to pre-record an episode that's a bit unique to what we've done in the past. So today... We're talking about the Legends miniseries called Jedi the Dark Side with a special guest. You probably know her as a host on our sister show, Legends Look Back. It's Utini's COO, Emily Daybeck. Emily, how are you? Doing well. It is raining in the Mojave Desert, which is something I can say has happened less than five times since I moved here six months ago. Wow. So it's um, <laughs> very exciting. We're all thrilled. And my daughter is afraid of the rain because she's seen it so seldom in her life. <laughs> She oh was my like goodness, that is running crazy. through it, like just crying the whole time. <laughs> I was like, hey, it's, just, oh, it's no. just water. You're okay. <laughs> I imagine it's kind of like, um, kind of like when you get a pet and they've never seen like snow before, yes. and they're like kind of excited but also a little nervous. I imagine it's kind of like that. <laughs> yes, it was really funny. She just stood in the garage, like holding her shoes, crying. Like, what are we supposed to do? But I was carrying things, so I couldn't like carry her through to the house. So she just had to make a break for it. It was pretty yeah. sad. <laughs> she had to had to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing. I, that that must be a, quite the sight. It's it'd be like raining on Tatooine. It'd be yes. super weird. <laughs> it, it is very very like that. It's a very dusty place here. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, it's super exciting to have you on the show. Uh, I think that this is like one of the first live shows between all three of our live shows that's ever had only two hosts, which is pretty crazy. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. And we're the two, <laughs> the token women. <laughs> that's just, right. That's right. Us. So this will that's be right. Fun. Absolutely. So um, just a heads up for everybody watching on YouTube. I am producing this week. I also have a Mac and Mac just they don't like to stream. So if things look not up to par. Um, apologies for that. The audio should still be good to go, but the video is a little choppy, so apologies for that. But we're making it work. All right. So if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. It's not usually like this, but uh, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> we are a Star Wars comics podcast that usually broadcasts live right here on youtube.com slash utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't join us live, that's okay, because we're also available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We're also part of the Utini Podcast Network of nearly a dozen shows, including Emily's Legends Look Back, and a Discord channel with over a thousand members and dozens of channels that can be found at utini.com slash Discord. I always want to say YouTube. Utini, YouTube. <laughs> if you like what you see and want to say thanks, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash utini, where for as little as... $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini podcast network of shows, as well as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. So even though this show is a bit different from our normal show, we've still got the weekly pull list for December 22nd, which is when this is going to premiere on YouTube. So let's dive right into that. And I'm going to stall for time for a second because I've got all kinds of things going on. All right, here we go. Weekly pull list. <laughs> 
So this week we have we have quite a few things actually. So first up, we've got uh, the High Republic Trail of Shadows number three by Daniel Jose Older with pencils by David Watcher. The cover is by David Lopez and the colors are by Giada Marchisio. I uh, can't wait for that one. This series has been really good. All right, next up here, we have Darth Vader number 19 uh, uh, by uh, Greg Pack with pencils by Yui Villanova, uh, covered by Ryan Stegman and colors by Alex Sinclair. So those are the single issues coming out this week. We also have two trades coming out. Uh, the first we have uh, also from Darth Vader 2020. It's uh, the third volume with the subtitle War of the Bounty Hunters uh, by Greg Pack with pencils by Raphael Yanko and Yui Villanova. Uh, cover is by Aaron Cooter and Richard Isanove. Uh, the colors are by Dean White, Jason Keith, and R- Rochelle Rosenberg with letters by Joe Caramanga. And last up, we have Star Wars Adventures 2020 Volume 1 called The Light and the Dark with uh, various authors and various artists. Uh, The great thing about Star Wars Adventures is that you get so much variety in who's writing the stories and who is drawing them as well. So absolutely check that out. I haven't actually checked the Star Wars Adventures out yet uh, from 2020 anyways, so really looking forward to that trade. All right, Emily. Usually, here, we do uh, either an art of the week or what we're loving, Um, but I know that you're relatively new to the comics, so I was wondering if you could, maybe in in lieu of that, tell us uh, about your your Star Wars journey, um, especially with the Expanded Universe, and and also if you have any experience with comics. That's an excellent question. Um, My experience with Star Wars is is very different, actually, than most of the staff here at Utini. I did not grow up reading Star Wars or even understanding why people liked it. Um, It wasn't (laughs) until I actually met Corey, our CEO, in person that I even knew that there were Star Wars books. And the books actually got me interested in the movies, which got me interested in, you know, legends and comics and all that. So um, I think I first started reading Star Wars books right before my daughter was born in 2018. So I've only been a fan for a couple years now. Um, But in that time, I've binged. (laughs) So um, we covered quite a bit of content. I finally joined the team in 2020, I think, or December 2019. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I started on Legends Look Back just a few months ago. So I'm very new to Legends. I'm pretty familiar with most of canon, but Legends material was just so crazy. I had no idea where to start. And they, the biggest kicker for me, because I get most of my content online from the library, um, they didn't have a lot of online resources for the older books. So that's why I haven't read a ton of Legends, but I'm getting started. And in fact, we just this past Thursday recorded a a comic. What is, oh my goodness, what did we read? But Boba Fett Bloodlines, um, the omnibus. We read that and that oh, was nice. my first comic. So um Oh amazing. It was it was very interesting, very different from what I am used to. Because usually books, there's a, a lot of lead up, plenty of time to develop characters. And you really don't get that in comics at all. You just jump straight right. in. 
Oh, yeah. And there's illustration. <laughs> so it's somewhere between a book and a show, which is really fun. And they're really fast to read, which is exciting. Um, you can really binge through a lot of content in not a lot of time, which I love. So, yeah, yeah so this is my second awesome. series. That's amazing. I, I mean, crazy how the timing worked out. I know. Um, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I'm going to make you – I'm going to, like, throw a bunch of comics at you. Here you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, I think I read uh, one of the miniseries in that omnibus before. I think – uh, I was on an episode of Legends Look Back about Legends comics, and I remember like loving it so much. It was, it was really awesome. Good. Boba Fett is a man of very few words, so it's um he yes. he plays really well in comics. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, him and him and Darth Vader are like perfect <laughs> comic characters. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and on another note, I have to say that I really appreciate your perspective on Legends Look Back, because I'm also very new to Legends, and uh, I'm definitely sort of following very closely with the canon side, but have been trying to dabble a little bit in Legends, so I like the newbie perspective as well, along with, like, Jared and Freddie's, like, expert perspective, and, and Rick's as well. I mean, he's kind of somewhere in between you guys, I feel like, so that's been really fun to watch. Yes, it's, it is always a humbling experience to go on the show knowing as little as I do. <laughs> so um, if you are also new to Legends, you are not alone. Um, just tune into the show, and I'll ask all the dumb questions. And so you don't have to. Uh, that's my role. Uh, but I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Freddie and Jared are just experts on all things Legends. And Rick has been collecting for a long time but hasn't read quite as much. So it's a, it's a great team to be a part of. Love being a part of that team. Love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I always say that there's like there's no dumb questions because if you think it's a dumb question, somebody is always asking it in their head. So that's there's no such thing as dumb question. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like Thank me. goodness for that thing, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we dive into talking about uh, Jedi the Dark Side, um, it is December 22nd. So if you haven't bought your holiday gifts yet, um, you're probably out of luck. But in case <laughs> you um, in case you still need some, uh, we've got an ad just for you. Utini.gifts. We'll be right back. And we are back. So, yeah, like I said, it might be a little late to get your holiday gifts, but um, I hope that uh, you get uh, all the Star Wars stuff you want for the holidays mm -hmm. and maybe share some of that Star Wars love uh, with the people that you love this holiday season. All right, let's dive right into talking about Jedi The Dark Side. So a little bit of background information on this. Uh, it was written by Scott Ali uh, with art by Mahmoud Asrar uh, with colors by Paul Mount. Letters by Michael Heisler, cover by Stephanie Rue. Uh, it started in May uh, on May 18th, uh, 2011, and it ended September 21st, 2011. Uh, chronologically, in terms of timeline, it takes place 50 years before the Battle of Yavin. So we're talking about pre-Phantom Menace time. Um, it's going to be included in the Rise of the Sith Omnibus, which is going to be out on February 8th. And uh, I don't know this for sure, but uh, maybe it's being covered on Legends Look Back. I know that you, you probably know as much as I do about that, Emily. But uh... <laughs> We have been meaning to go over the schedule for the upcoming spring. Uh, Jared probably has that information. He, um, We have started to talk about it with the rest of the team. But unfortunately, uh, two of our hosts are moving in the holidays, like during the season. So um, 
it's not super high up on the list. But I will let you right. know. We will let you know. We always announce on Twitter uh, what we're covering, and it should be on the UTNE website as well. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, audience, if you like what you hear from, or if you've read along with us and you like this, you can always like tweet Legends Look Back and say that you really want them to talk about this omnibus. Like, we want to hear what you guys uh, want to listen to because that's important. Um, all right, so Emily. We usually kick these off with a summary of what has happened. And I think in this series, it's pretty important. There's some uh, <laughs> some pretty cra- crazy events that are happening. So yes. uh, I'm going to have you take the first two issues here. Sure. And uh, yeah, yeah t- uh, let us know what happened in the beginning. Sure. So in issue number one, we open on Coruscant with Qui-Gon sparring with his Padawan, Xanatos, and Qui-Gon's former Padawan, Femor. Xanatos is a bit of a jerk when he knocks Femur down and then gets a good lesson in being humble from his master. We learn that Xanatos was born of royalty, which will be important later. Qui-Gon, Xanatos, Master Tal, who's a librarian, and Oricon, a Padawan who recently lost her master, are given a mission on to Telos IV, which happens to be Xanatos' homeworld. The planet is in upheaval after their high priestess, Leora, died. The group's goal is to bring peace to the world. Xanatos throws a tantrum before they leave, thinking that he's going to be replaced by Oricon as Qui-Gon's Padawan. The issue ends with a crash landing on Telos IV after they are attacked by an unknown group, and they are greeted by Cryon, Xanatos' father. So now we move on to issue number two, uh, where Xanatos begins really upset and storms away. It's revealed that Xanatos has a sister named Nason who's been meeting with a suspicious name, man named Dairaki. Their goal is to give Nason control of the Telos IV government with this uprising. Meanwhile, Xanatos and Cryon have a conversation about being a Jedi and about Xanatos' heritage. Cryon thinks that Tuprawa was the one that killed High Priestess Leora. Xanatos storms away in a flurry of emotions. The Jedi go to the High Priestess's death site. Oricon feels Leora's murder through the Force and collapses. Tal is elsewhere gathering something for her library when she hears when she overhears an Antarian ranger talking with a small group about the attack on the Jedi ship. She takes care of them with ease. The issue ends with Qui-Gon and Tal discussing the murder, which leads Qui-Gon to the realization that the killer is a Jedi and yet not a Jedi. Simultaneously, Oricon introduces Xanatos to his sister, Nason. Awesome. All right. You absolutely killed those names. Those are some tough ones. <laughs> I hope that they are correct. <laughs> there were some strange spellings in this series for sure. For sure. All right. So uh, issue number three, we start with uh, Qui-Gon and Cryon on a shuttle together, and they're discussing the Antarian Rangers, uh, who are supposedly allies of the Jedi, but who Cryon describes as mercenaries. Meanwhile, Nason and Dairoki are discussing the previous events with Master Tal coming close to killing Dairoki's men. Qui-Gon and Xanatos meet back up, and Xanatos is throwing yet another tantrum about the situation and wanting to become a Jedi Knight. Qui-Gon reveals that he thinks the answer to the killer being a Jedi and yet not a Jedi is the Antarian Rangers. Dairoki meets with one of his men who encountered Master Tal and gives him what appears to be a lightsaber while Xanatos and Nason race speeders. Qui-Gon poses as a weapons dealer with the goal of gaining a meeting with a man named Weliquis, who is a leader of an insurgent group going against Lord Cryon. Suddenly, a sneak attack starts against Lord Cryon and the Jedi and their group. They kill Nason, causing chaos between Xanatos, Cryon, and Dairoki's reactions. 
All right. The issue ends with Master Tal informing the group that she's leaving Telos 4. Qui-Gon recognized Dairoki who escaped the battle. All right. Issue number four. <laughs> uh, we start out with a huge revelation. Dairoki trained as a Jedi on Coruscant, but he never finished the training, making him a Jedi, but not a Jedi. Uh, Cryon's minister uh, brings the Jedi Masters a lightsaber that was found on one of the insurgents. Welaquiz and the other insurgents start to plan their war on Telos IV. Qui-Gon returns disguised as the arms dealer, killing the insurgents and forcing Welaquiz to tell him if the Antarian Rangers are involved. Welaquiz informs Qui-Gon that the entire group of Antarian Rangers are involved, but before he can say any more, he is viciously shot in the head. Um, later, Dairoki sneaks into Lord Cryon's bedroom and wakes him. It becomes very clear that they're conspiring together, and Cryon is feeding Dairoki inside information. The issue ends with Cryon's minister delivering a speech to the people of Telos IV, saying they're, uh, they're stopping diplomacy with Taprawa, which is where the Antarian Rangers are based. Qui-Gon and Xanatos have it out again, and Xanatos moves to the palace. Cryon incites war between the citizens and the insurgents. Alright, last issue. Issue number five. Yes. Cryon is talking to Xanatos in a bit of a coercive manner, trying to gain his undying loyalty. Xanatos points out to Cryon that Nason wouldn't be dead if Cryon hadn't allowed the insurgency to get worse. Qui-Gon is informed by Cryon's minister of what Cryon has been conspiring to do. The minister opens up communication to the people of Telos IV to tell them the truth and to call for a halt to the violence. Qui-Gon confronts Cryon to get Xanatos back. Qui-Gon kills Cryon, and Xanatos fights against Qui-Gon. During the battle, Qui-Gon loses Xanatos in the crowd. The issue and miniseries ends with Qui-Gon's report to the Council. He tells them that Xanatos died. It's suggested that Qui-Gon isn't planning on directly returning to Coruscant. All right, so that was like a much longer summary than what we normally do, but... I'm telling you, when I was writing the summary, I had no idea how to make it any smaller because, boy, was there a lot of twists and turns in this yes, one. <laughs> there are a lot of plot points. And, like, it was a little bit disorienting to read because I was like, okay, where where are we? Who? What? Why Absolutely, are they yeah. I know. Things? I had to go back and look at, like, okay, who is this guy again? What side was he on? There and now he's on this side? Names. What? Yes. Oh, my goodness. For sure. So before we dive into our... Uh, broader discussion um give me your initial rating on this mini series and some brief overall thoughts as to why you're giving it that score um i'll go with a 7.6 um i just read this is only the second comic i've ever read the first one was boba fett blood ties and that was a lot easier to follow um Mm -hmm. so i think that's the reason why i gave i think i gave boba fett an eight point five ish so a little bit less because it was a little confusing to follow but i did appreciate the background on qui-gon after reading master and apprentice i kind of got a little glimpse into i love his character i wish that i could read more Mm -hmm. about him um so yeah that's why i'll give it a 7.6 all right see the great thing about you just starting out with comics is that reading them for shows where you have to rate them so you can like compare them against each other Mm. like I started reading before I had to rate them so it's just like (laughs) toss a number out there sounds good (laughs) well it would also be nice to have a bit more of a background because I don't really know expectations for comics like how they normally work 
Um, True, yeah. And I'm not used to looking at, like, and ranking art or lettering. Like, there's a lot of elements to comics as a piece of content that it's just hard to get a grasp on with just having only read two series. But Yeah, I can see that, too, for sure. <laughs> um, so I think I will give this a um, 6.8. Um I yeah, I know that, that's that's pretty low for me. Um it seems low. I definitely I thought yeah, I mean I I'm usually in like the 8. That's kind of like, you know, where I'm usually at, but this one the story was so convoluted mm-hmm. to me. I had such a hard like when I can't follow a comic and I'm really paying attention to it like I was while reading this one, like there's a problem somewhere. Um, I think it it's kind of like it's kind of similar to um I don't know maybe people's thoughts on like the phantom menace or something i I don't i don't know if that's a good comparison but like politics and stuff like that are like getting too much in the way of like the story they're trying to tell um and i think that might have been the issue for me um i did like seeing more qui-gon like you said um and speaking of qui-gon i'm very excited to talk about him so let's dive right in uh and, and talk about him uh, so he's very much the wise Jedi Master we know and love um, from The Phantom Menace, as well as Master and Apprentice, which we've both read, which is awesome. I wasn't sure if you had read it, but yes. uh, that's great. <laughs> we've got that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's also portrayed uh, a bit aggressively, I would say. You know, he killed Cryon, and he initiated the combat with some of the insurgents on more than one occasion, actually. So I'm interested. I, I was a little conflicted in my own mind, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this first. Do you believe that this is an accurate depiction of Qui-Gon? Like, do you think he was depicted too aggressively or or not aggressively enough? What do you think? That's an excellent question. I think it was a little more aggressive than we see in the films. I think by the time he gets to Obi-Wan, he's much more pacifist. And I'm wondering if this is kind of his backstory and maybe Xanatos is the reason he changes. Mm. Um I, I'm just, I'm curious because it, it isn't really clear if Xanatos is dead or not. It's kind of implied that he's still alive. So I'm wondering if he's going to come back in some way and cause a character change in Qui-Gon. What do you think? So, okay, I was, I already know the answer to that you question, do? actually. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I do. I meant to I look do. it up before the show, but I ran out of time. I, when I was looking up things for our Easter egg section, this oh. is a you know a, a pre Easter egg. Um, he does appear in I believe their young adults or junior readers books, a couple okay. of them, and he runs into Qui Gon again. Um, so I, I don't know how it ends or anything because now I'm kind of like, oh, should I read those? Like <laughs> that might be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a he's a piece of work. <laughs> sure, he he's is. Do I mean, some interesting things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I, you you bring up a good point though. Um, I think I was taken aback by how Qui Gon was portrayed because I definitely didn't see him like that mm. in the Phantom Menace or even in Master and Apprentice, which I I know that like one is canon and one is not. But hey, you know it's pretty much all the same in our book, I think. And mm. uh, you know, so it's interesting to think that maybe okay, like maybe he was aggressive and maybe a little angry or something. Um, during the, his time with Xanatos, and maybe that goes away. So, um, yeah, I really like that idea, that that line of thinking, because I was a little disappointed with how how he was portrayed. Um, but maybe there's hope. Maybe if we read, you know, those those books, maybe we'll turn around and see, like, okay, yeah, he turns into the Qui Gon we know. 
Yeah, I think that's just, it's something that typically happens to characters as they age. They get more temperate. Um, mm, they, yeah. they aren't as quite as aggressive or hot-headed. But it is, compared to Xanatos, he's quite tame. Um, it also True. could have been that, like, with them working so closely together, with Xanatos being a more um, angry, volatile character, that maybe that, because of their force connection, maybe that was affecting uh, Qui-Gon in some way as well. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. These are all good points. Um, so kind of moving towards the end of the miniseries in terms of Qui-Gon's character, um, why do you think that he told the council that Xanatos died, even though, I mean, I just told you that he technically didn't, but he like, <laughs> I kind of like ruined the question, but like, <laughs> he like pretty much got lost in the crowd. And I'm pretty sure that Qui-Gon would have felt in the forest if he died. So he kind of knew point. he was lying. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. What do you think about that whole situation? Um, I'm really not sure what to think. <laughs> um, because originally when I read it, I thought he actually did die and Qui-Gon had oh, really? killed him. Um, so... Oh, interesting. Because I, I, I immediately was like, oh, he's not dead. There's no way. That's interesting. I guess I must have read it too literally. But Qui-Gon said, like, he ran off and Qui-Gon, like, called after him. And then Qui-Gon tells the council that he's dead. So in my naivete, I just assumed that Qui-Gon had actually killed him and just kind of glossed over the fact that he had killed him. But when you bring up that he's not actually dead, it makes much more sense that he just covered for him. So what do, what are your theories? I don't know. I mean, part of me thinks like Qui-Gon could sort of sense with Xanatos being back home that he just wasn't like cut out for the Jedi life. He definitely had a lot of anger and yeah, even more attachment now. So, and those are like not good things in a Jedi. Um, so I'm kind of thinking like maybe he was worried that he was going to like turn to the dark side and maybe he was just like, okay, let's just let him go and, and do his own thing. And yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe he, he thought like, Oh, he'd, he'd be better serving as like ruler of, uh, what was it Tele Telos Four? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I definitely think he did it on purpose, and I think with with Qui Gon, like even though this is kind of a different portrayal than we've seen before, I still feel like everything with him is very calculated, mm -hmm. and I think this is also included in that calculation. That's that's a valid point. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> yes. All right. So um, moving on to Xanatos, I'm really excited to talk about him. Um. We could describe him as emotional and aggressive and overconfident, and he thinks that he can just do anything. Um, yeah, he's just very arrogant, and I did not like him. <laughs> no, he's not a likable character at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. What did you think of him, like, in general? Um, He gave very angsty Vader-esque vibes, yeah. which is surprising to me, seeing as this happens before Vader, and Qui-Gon is like Anakin's biggest advocate. So uh yeah, it's it's curious to me that he sees Xanatos, who's just a hot mess, and then proceeds to later in life take on a very similar Padawan. Um anyway, but his portrayal is um very immature and um classist and there's a lot of there's a lot of things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> with how he treats other people and um, views the world. I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I uh, right from the get go, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like this character, am I? Like, I just knew it. Sometimes you just get that vibe, and um, just with the way he was like trash talking the other Padawan yes. when they were like sparring at the beginning, I was like, what the heck? Like, not just like, oh, like you're weak or anything. It was like, no, the royal born will like take over the earth or something. Like that. Yeah, it was like so yeah. weird. It was I know, so weird, like. That's deep. I was like, what's wrong with this kid? I was like, I'm I'm getting like real Sith energy yes. here. <laughs> oh my goodness. All over the place. Yeah, for sure. And um, honestly, like, I think that personally, I think that like his, him knowing that he is royalty mm-hmm. on some sort of planet most definitely played into that attitude. Would you agree? Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, cur- I'm curious why they even chose to let him know. Like, Okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about this, too. I mean, in canon, we definitely have seen that the Jedi are hesitant to um, sort of keep Jedi with their family or even inform them about their family. Mm -hmm. I mean, they wouldn't let Anakin go back and see uh, his mother. Um, So we've seen in the past that they're very careful about family and how they handle those sort of connections. And so how Xanatos knew that he was uh, a royal on another planet and and then why they would send him back to tell us for mistakes. it didn't make any sense to yes. me <laughs> yes mistakes were made yeah. i'm wondering how old he was when he was taken and that's true i don't know it was just weird well and and the other thing too i mean it, it is possible that they learned their lesson with xanatos and that's why they wouldn't let anakin go back and see his mother i that's suppose that could be true but yeah, I mean, the whole thing, it just seemed like a bunch of missteps uh, by people making the decisions. We shouldn't have let him go back. I mean, just the thought of him going back made him almost commit suicide. I mean, he like jumped on the railing oh, yeah, high above Coruscant. Yeah, yeah that, about, that made like, me so scared. I was like, oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard to follow because there were like two illustrations and all of a sudden he was fine and then he was jumping off of a building and then Qui-Gon was like <laughs> standing on one end of a pole that kept him like suspended it was an interesting <laughs> interesting placement yeah a very very weird sequence of events there so a little odd. um what do you think was the ultimate cause of the fracture between him and Qui-Gon because you can I, I think we could assume that they had a good relationship at some point I mean mm-hmm. they do seem close in many aspects but they almost have like a father-son sort of bickering dynamic at this point so so i think we can safely assume that they were close at one point what do you what do you think is the cause of that the fracture that we see throughout this book um i think it's abandonment i think that that plays a huge theme in his character throughout the story so he is angry at his father for abandoning him angry at the jedi for sending him back (laughs) to telos for um and then what is it oricon is yes sent along and then there's kind of like a bait and switch sort of thing where qui-gon and who is the other jedi master what's her name uh master tall tall yes so qui-gon and um master tall as they're like approaching the planet are wondering why they sent two padawans and tall is like very clear that it's not for her that the Oricon was sent for Qui-Gon's benefit, which unfortunately is, of course, overheard by Xanatos. And so I just think that he's afraid he's going to be abandoned again 
And mm-hmm. I think he's got some sort of attachment to Qui-Gon. And so he's very jealous whenever Qui-Gon, um, whenever it's even suggested that he won't be with Qui-Gon anymore. But I feel like we've seen that in multiple Master Padawan relationships. So I'm not really sure why he took it to such extremes and other Padawans were able to handle it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say, actually. Yeah. I think it was the whole, like, Oricon thing that sort of sent... Well, that in combination with him uh, needing or being forced to go back to his home world, mm-hmm. I think the combination of those two just sort of, like, set off this, like, anger inside of him that had always kind of been there. And I think I think maybe the difference between him and other Padawans... Because I'm, sh- I'm sure that they're, like, in the history of the Jedi, there there has to have been situations where, like, the master and Padawan like didn't end up liking each other and they had to like switch or whatever. I'm sure that that's happened. And of course, not everybody always goes berserk like, um, uh, like Xanatos did. So yeah, very, (laughs) very interesting character right there. Um, I don't know. He's, he's a mess. And, uh, but I'm also interested in him at the same time. I mean, I did say I, I don't like him and it's true. I don't, but, at the you know it's like a train wreck hand, you I, can't I, really look away exactly <laughs> yes you keep watching so you're like man what mistake are you going to make next and i thought it was interesting that this the whole name of the series is jedi the dark side and they never yeah. talk about the dark side like qui-gon <laughs> what on earth are you doing like no no exactly. mention is made of the dark side at all yeah no that okay that is such a good point because i mean we obviously get like the undertones of the dark side with Xanatos like cl- clearly going down a dark path. But you're so right. I didn't even think of that until you just said it. <laughs> Nobody ever mentioned the dark side. There's no dark siders. I mean, wh- why? <laughs> just why? Yeah. It's like the dark side is just everybody talks about it on shows and movies and all, all the other books. And then here it's titled the dark side and there is no actual phrase the dark side used in the whole series i don't think oh interesting very interesting (sighs) stuff all right let's move let's avert our eyes from this train wreck (laughs) (laughs) and uh move on to not necessarily a train wreck but he's pretty darn close uh lord cryon uh who ends up we find out you know he's actually a double agent someone who wants more power than he has like any right of having and he'll do anything to get it including like staging a military coup i guess we could describe it uh against himself um so obviously he's in on this insurgent movement like that becomes pretty clear uh i think in like the third issue or so did you see this double cross coming or were you surprised at his involvement Quite frankly, I'm still confused at his involvement. <laughs> like, wasn't he in charge before? And then yes. he started this insurgent movement. And then mm-hmm. a bunch of people died. And then right. he leaves. And, like, I was confused if it was supposed to be, like, a human race purity. Like, no non-humans allowed. Or I, I, I just didn't really understand what his, like, motive was. Did you? Did you okay. understand? I'm glad we're talking about this because because the answer is no. Like, no, I didn't really understand it. <laughs> it was very um, confusing. Yeah, like, um, I, I thought that, like, the only thing I could think of is to, like, stage this sort of, like, war type of thing and blame it on the Antarians so that they didn't have to have, like, diplomatic relations with them anymore. Huh. That was, like, the only thing I could think of. But why why he had to, like, 
pin it against himself. I have no idea. And the other thing, maybe, I mean, maybe he was trying to lure the Jedi so he could see Xanatos again. I don't really know. I have no could be. idea. So he was like, but yeah, that was a yeah. very confusing part, though. And I feel like if they made it maybe a little clearer, like that would clear up a lot of our confusion because yes. it's like, what, what was the purpose of all of this? I mean, we had the high priestess that died. Like that was the whole reason for the Jedi actually being called there because it was causing like a civilian uprise because they missed their, you know, spiritual leader. Uh, I, but I'm not. I'm still not a hundred percent sure if like Lord Cryon was responsible for that. If it was, like, the mercenaries who were responsible for that. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. No clue. Um, that, that, yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I know. There's, like, no words. If you know, listeners. Yeah, or, please or let watchers, us know. Let us know. Share your uh, insight. <laughs> yes, dis- Discord, YouTube comments. Um, send a carrier pigeon. We need to know. Um, <laughs> uh uh, one more question about Lord Cryon, uh, who I think I think at this point, after what we just discussed, we c- we can call him a train wreck too, because who knows what what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any sympathy for him or for his cause? Seeing that I don't really know what his cause even is, <laughs> no, I don't really get it. <laughs> he wasn't very clear. Um, it's clear that he has some messed up views mentally of what needs to happen and who should be in charge. But I, since I don't really know what his cause is specifically, uh, no, I have no sympathy for it. What about you? Okay, no, no sympathy here either. Um, I think it's bad to kill your people <laughs> on purpose. That's generally considered, like you know. Yep, I, I feel immoral. comfortable speaking for all of you, teeny, on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So no, I, I don't even know why I wrote that question because, frankly, if you have sympathy for him, I, I would be concerned to be honest based on what we read like if they he had some like weird backstory about how his rightful place on the throne was taken and his whole family was murdered i might have some sympathy but we got none of that so there is no reason for me to be okay with his evil evil actions yeah i mean the only reason that i would feel like an ounce of sympathy for him is if we got the story of how xanatos was um brought to the jedi and Mm. if for some reason he was like taken without his consent or something like that then i could feel some sympathy for him but yeah that's a good um, point. we had like zero information on why he was doing what we were doing i mean there's probably some information like hidden in there but i mean i read this thing three times i still don't understand <laughs> uh, <laughs> that makes me feel better i i reread those yeah. pages several times and then i just thought maybe it'll get clearer later maybe it's one of those like no. slow releases i think that's how it was intended to be but then yeah, it probably. just was shrouded for too long and then they tried to sum it all up too quickly and things were lost in my opinion yeah no, I think that's, like, a really good guess at, at what happened. I mean, I would hope that they didn't do that on purpose because, um, yeah, it was certainly confusing. Maybe but, it's uh, supposed to be a longer series and then they just decided to true. keep it True, that's another thing. Yeah, um, yeah, 2011, that was, like, three years before the canon uh, Legend separation. So mm. it, it might have it been intended to be uh, dealt with in a different way. I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> Um, so another character that I'd like to talk about is, uh, briefly is, is Dairoki, who is, uh, Nason's love interest and also the leader of the insurgent movement against Lord Cryon, but is also sort of like Lord Cryon's informant, apparently. Um, so do you think that 
I'm very interested to hear your answer on this. Do you think that Dairoki was the real mastermind behind all of the insurgent stuff, or was he just taking orders from Kryon? I think that he was taking orders for the most part, mm-hmm. um, but he was advanced enough as a warrior to be given more free reign. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that he was the real mastermind. Because... Um, with him being Nason's love interest, that that added an interesting twist yeah. where it kind of dumbed his character down a bit where like he really was only doing it for Nason who was she trying to take control first? Like, was she trying to like get rid of her yeah. father? Well, exactly. I mean, that was the other thing I was confused about. Uh, at the beginning, that's what I thought. Because when yeah. we saw them, like, kind of hiding in the shadows and, like, plotting stuff, I was like, oh, she's, like, trying to take the throne or something. Yeah. But then later, when we see that Dairoki and Nason are actually, like, or sorry, Dairoki and, and Kryon are actually, like, working together, then I was kind of wondering, and this this actually leads into my next question. And by the way, I agree with you. He was certainly not the brains of that operation. He, did, he didn't seem like he didn't seem like no one smart knew to do how it. she got shot. Like who shot her? No one knows. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so that's actually a great segue into my next question. Do you think that he like really loved Nason, or was he just trying to get on Cryon's good side? I think that he weirdly really loved her. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree because he, like Legends characters, don't say weird things like "You'll never know how much she really means to me." Like they <laughs> they just don't say that unless there's like a love interest. Like there's no yeah. like brotherly love connection. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's only amorous love. <laughs> so, um, that it was weird, and she was like dressed up like like genie. Or something from like that nineteen yeah. se- show. What is that? I Dream of Genie. She reminded me a lot of that character, which was very odd. It was very legendsy. We're like, yes, is- it, it did feel very legendsy. <laughs> yeah, like the scarred, like I don't know, like man with the broken past is like in love with this <laughs> genie type character that everyone loves, and yet somehow ends up dying. Like, someone directly shot her. It's not like she jumped to, like, right, get yeah. in, like, the way. I, I don't know. It was yeah, a classic Legends I know. Love. I know what you're saying. It feels extremely Legends-y. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I actually, I actually do agree with you. It doesn't seem like he, again, it doesn't feel like he's smart enough to, like, make the connection. Like, oh, if I love his daughter and, like, treat her well, then I'll get on his good side. He doesn't seem smart enough to figure that out. So I think it's a safe bet to say that, like, somehow they really loved each other, mm-hmm. um, which is very somehow. interesting. <laughs> somehow, somehow those crazy kids. Um, <laughs> so uh, moving on, uh, last character here uh, with Nason, um, who obviously, like we've said, was caught between two interests, that of her love, assuming that she really loved uh, Dairoki. We determined that Dairoki probably really loved Nason. Uh, I assume... Before I finish my summary on on Nason, do you think that she really loved Dairoki in return? I think so. I don't think it's ever implied yeah. that she didn't. So I'm assuming I that agree. it was requited. Agree. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so, so her interests are split between Dairoki and uh, her father's interests and her, like, royal responsibilities, I guess you could say. 
But then, I mean, later on, we find out that, like, those interests are actually kind of the same because they were working together, which makes it even more confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, She's also, like, a casualty of just, like, a bunch of people seeking power and not thinking of the consequences of seeking that power. Um, Do you think, or, or do you place any blame on Nason for the fate of Telos for, like, in other words, she was, like, playing both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. Like, did she cause the, like, the confusion on the planet and ultimately bring Telos 4 to the brink of civil war? Do you blame her for that? No, I think that she legitimately wanted what was best for her people, and I think that her mm-hmm. father's love, love, <laughs> and, like, search... <laughs> quest for more power definitely corrupted that. So I think that he had some misguided ideas of what love was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. she legit, I think she legitimately would have done good things for her people. She says that she wishes that, you know, unity and peace could be achieved without any more casualties. So I think you see that she has a good heart. And I think when she dies, it's like kind of the redeeming, like the last good part of the insurgency has just gone. Like it's it's only yeah. it's only pain and and death from here on out. But what do you yeah, think? I, I agree with you. I I don't I think that she was like caught up between everybody's like interests and you know, she's sort of being tugged in like every direction and and I think also like <laughs> to quote Padme Amidala, uh so love has blinded you. I, I think love blinded her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that like she couldn't really, she didn't have the ability to foresee what was going to happen to Telos for if, if they started this like insurrection, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, yeah. So I, I certainly, I, I actually feel bad for her, even though she was kind of like involved, you know, in terms of like the whole Dairoki stuff. So, yes, she was involved, but I do feel bad for her. I mean, she did die because of all of this, and it was a pretty brutal death, too. Yeah. It wasn't. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it wasn't good. So that's it for our uh, character section. We have a few overarching questions to uh, round it out before we get to our Easter egg section. Um, So... This is going to be an interesting question as well. Any question regarding Xanatos and Qui-Gon, I'm like very interested to hear your, your answer on because I'm very confused about what I think on their relationship. So okay. I love hearing your, your answer. So do you think that Xanatos was wrong for assuming that Qui-Gon wanted Oricon as his new Padawan? Like, like was he right in assuming that Qui-Gon just wanted to drop him off on Telos 4 so he could have a new Padawan? Um... I mean, obviously he wasn't correct. Like, that wasn't Qui-Gon's intention. I think that this is a classic case of the Jedi being, like, stupidly cryptic. (laughs) Like, never (laughs) saying what they actually think. They just kind of set situations and just watch and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was... A mistake. That's a mistake usually when you're dealing with people. People need to be told up front what the deal is uh, in yeah. order for them to feel secure. So I don't blame him for being jealous. I think I would have been jealous too and I would have had the mm-hmm. same thoughts. 
Would it have come out in the same way? Probably not, but when you're dealing with force users, usually they're a bit more emotional. Well, dark side users, <laughs> obviously more <laughs> emotional. Um, so I think that he was already too close to the edge and adding his replacement in to the mix was way too early and in too sensitive of a place. Like if you were going to mm-hmm. do that, don't do it on his home world. So that, that was, a, yeah. I would say that was a council mistake um, yeah. more so than him. Cause he is still a Padawan. Like he's not a master. Right. What were your thoughts? Yeah. yeah you're totally right. I mean, he can't make his own decisions. He, he kind of did try to work, warn Qui-Gon that like, it's probably not the best idea for me to go there. Like, wh- like, why are we going there? Yes. So we maybe we should have listened to him. I don't know. Um, but I, I think that if I was in his position, I would have been suspicious too. Like, like, oh, you're trying to like just drop me off at the easiest place you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely would have been been suspicious, especially where Oricon just lost her master and Tal doesn't want a paddle on. Like. Everything Which, by the way, is pretty up. cold. <laughs> like, Very much so. Come on, Although, man. I mean, like, librarians can have Padawans, too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> also, she's, like, weirdly the sexiest librarian I've ever seen. Like, why very is she true. illustrated yes. in such a sensual way? I was, that I know, was also then, very legendsy. <laughs> we go from her to Jocasta New. Yes. It's like, okay, that yeah. makes sense. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand her, but. You're so right. That did feel so. Le- I'm so glad you brought that up. It's so legendsy. So, and I guess it, I honestly had a hard time when I was um, looking her up on Wikipedia. Um, apparently, she is not a human, and I thought she was a human. She came across as a human at first, and that's what I, yes. I originally thought she was a human. But then, after yeah. seeing close-ups of her face, her eyes are different. I don't know what yeah. exactly she is. Yeah, I think uh, I think Wikipedia said she's a Nurian, N O O R I A N, Nurian. Huh. I I don't know if I've ever seen one before, but they're like extremely really? human looking with some different eyes, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> and apparently they have a love for um, information, which is also great. Um, <laughs> do you think um, Do you think Qui Gon was going back to the council like they suggested at the very end, or do you think he was? going on a mission and doing something else because he was very like you said before he was very cryptic with xanatos and he was also very cryptic with the council about what he was going to do at the end he was um and it, it is very interesting that this was the end of the series because we don't get a follow-up maybe you have the answer but um he kind of it seemed to me like he needed to do some soul searching uh, some way seeking, if you will, and yeah. uh, I'm unsure whether he was going to find Xanatos and try to bring him back to the light. Maybe he just didn't want to admit that Xanatos really went over to the dark side. Maybe he didn't want to say that to the council. That's why they he told him that he was dead. Yeah. Um, I think that it's deliberately left very open ended. Because uh, Qui-Gon is a pretty open-ended Jedi. Like, he mm. doesn't do things normally. Um, so he's always a bit of a wild card to me. I have I don't really have a guess as to what he was going to do. I think there's a few options. What do you think? Yeah, I actually don't have the answer to that. However, I do think that it's likely in that in, in those books that I was 
telling you about um, that Xanatos shows up in again. I think they're called the Jedi Apprentice books. I can, I'll give everybody the oh, exact okay. answer when we get to our Easter egg section. Um, I, I definitely, I felt like he wanted to do something before he got back to the council. I mean, um, in, um, in Master and Apprentice, and, I, and again, I, I know that um, this was written before, like, much before Master and Apprentice, but in Master and Apprentice, we see that he's very um, focused on, like, prophecies mm-hmm. and knowledge and and all of that. And I, I wonder if he's like, oh, I encountered this, like, dark energy in Xanatos at the end there. And I, I kind of wonder if he needed to, I don't know, like, meditate and, like, cleanse from that i don't know if that maybe that was like a stressor for him but it definitely felt like there was something like traumatic in there from Mm -hmm. that experience that he he was definitely like there's something like pent up in there that he needed to like i don't know get rid of or something um so yeah i i i definitely do not think he was following his order his orders by the council because I mean, generally Qui Gon doesn't seem like the type of person to follow orders, anyway. Yes, no, so. definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll, I'll be interested. Um, I'll be interested if if uh, we see uh, what follows directly after the ending of this. If that does happen in the Jedi Apprentice books, I'll we'll have to ask Jared and and see if that's it. I'm sure Jared. If that's the, the case, he always has the answer. <laughs> yeah, he always does. He Jared always or does. Trevor. <laughs> yes. So if that's the case, if if it picks up, if the Jedi Apprentice books pick up directly after the ending of this miniseries and Xanatos comes back. I might have to read them. I mean, I'm I'm pretty interested in, in what Qui-Gon was doing and, and Xanatos and his interaction later on. So, all right. Um, one more overarching question before Easter eggs. Um, going back to Nason, and like we were saying earlier, we do feel like bad about her death and stuff. It was... Mm-hmm. Um, gruesome and and unfortunate um who would you place blame on for her death would it be cryon dairoki the insurgents or someone else and i'm not talking about like necessarily who pulled the trigger mm-hmm. i don't think we'll ever know that but but who who created the environment and the situation for that to happen i think cryon seems to be the mastermind behind the whole thing so i would say it's probably him what do you think yeah i, I would agree with that for sure i mean he he definitely didn't want her dead. Like mm-hmm. that was certainly not not his intention. But I I think that the only person you can point to is is him. The only person that like started this whole um, insurgency thing was him. And anything that happens after that, I think, should count as his fault. Personally. Agreed. All right, so let's dive into some Easter eggs, and then we will re-rate the book. So a few. A few fun things here. Um, as we suspected, Xanatos lives, like I said, uh, and is present in, I believe, um, two of the Jedi Apprentice books. I actually have the specific titles here. Uh, the Captive Temple and The Day of Reckoning, which are both by Jude Watson. Um, so, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to maybe look at those ones on Wikipedia specifically. Um, Xanatos isn't the only Jedi... Uh, that appears in the Jedi Apprentice books. Uh, Master Tal has quite the presence in the series. She appears in like multiple books, surprise, um, like surprise. way more than two. Yeah. Now, granted, she's um, really cool, but you don't make a sexy character cool. and have them completely die unless they're dressed up like a genie. In which case, correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're dressed up as a genie, you're a goner. That's yeah, all yeah, I gotta say. you're out. <laughs> uh, um. 
Next up, we have Xanatos uh, 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 suggested that a diplomat should go to Telos for in their stead. He specifically mentioned Master Dooku, who was a Jedi at this time. Uh, he, he wasn't uh, the Count Dooku that we know from the prequels. Um, so interesting mention there. I think mm. things would have gone be- gone better for Xanatos had Dooku gone instead. <laughs> it's weird, though, because there are some parallels between those two characters. Like, both oh, for are noble sure, born, yeah. And they go to the dark side. Yep. So I don't know that it would have oh, right. much differently. Oh, you're so right. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a count. Oh, my goodness. He's talk about another interesting character. Oh, oh, my God. I could talk, like, all day about Count Dooku. He's so mm-hmm. interesting. I always get excited whenever he's mentioned. Me too. Yeah. Um, Master Tal foreshadows Naboo as being a place that she senses will have a significant event happen there. Um, we know this to be the Battle of Naboo from the Phantom Menace. She was just kind of like talking about force powers with Qui-Gon and she's like, Naboo's so beautiful, something big is going to happen there. I don't know how those two things connect, but she got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, next up, we have uh, uh, Taprawa, which is uh, a planet mentioned because of its population of Antarian Rangers, has much significance in legends. The Death Star Super Laser was designed on this planet, and there was also a rebel base where spies could give information to Alliance leaders on Taprawa. So it's got a really big presence like later on uh, in like the original trilogy era, New Republic era. So interesting stuff there. Um, speaking of Antarian Rangers, in Legends, they played a big role in the Clone Wars by joining Jedi on missions. Because of this, they were tracked down by Darth Vader and the Inquisitorius like any other Jedi would be. Luke learned about them later, and he spent some time looking for Antarian Rangers as well. And lastly, after informing the Council that his lightsaber was destroyed in the duel between himself and Kryon, the Council tells him they will have a kyber crystal. Spelled K-A-I-B-U-R-R, crystal. Uh, for him, for his new lightsaber, this is the old way of spelling what we now know as the K-Y-B-E-R crystal, uh, but they have essentially the same function in canon and legend. So that was just kind of a nerdy spelling thing that I wanted to point out. Oh, I definitely noticed that. I was like, that's oh, not yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like furiously typing in my computer, what is a uh, kyber crystal? I was like, what right? is this? Because it's like yeah. they have the synthetic kyber crystals. Is that what the Sith use? Is that why their lightsabers are red? I think it's um they bleed it so they like oh. put their force energy into it because the kyber crystal has like a living thing yes uh, uh, to my understanding and then they like put their like dark energy and power into it and make it bleed and then the reason this is also a huge tangent has nothing to do with this but Ahsoka's lightsabers are white I because she that. reversed the bleeding and like purified it or something like that. I do so, remember that that yeah. happens at the end of the Ahsoka book and it was yes yeah wonderful um yes I love lightsaber lore is so much fun <laughs> yes I could talk about it all day it's something I'm like very nerdy about <laughs> well good because I don't know very much about it and I keep waiting to find books that will tell me more and they're um it's just like every book is like just a tiny little piece. <laughs> yeah. Do you have um? It's called, I think it's called the the lightsaber book. It's a reference book that came out recently. I don't. I oh saw my it. I actually like put it on as we were making utini dot gifts. I put it on one of the um oh, the nice. gift guides because I thought it was really it's beautiful. It's such a gorgeous. It's so book. pretty. It's got some pretty good information on lightsabers in there actually. Good to know. Yeah. I'll so I'd highly recommend if if you're like me and you love lightsaber lore. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely check that one out. Sounds good. I'll have to do that. 
Awesome. All right. Before we get out of here, um, let's re-rate the book. I know personally, like, a lot of times I go up on these ratings. Um, so I wrote down what our scores were uh, at the start of this conversation. And let me find it. And, okay, you started out with a 7.6. What would you rate this book now? I've got to stay steady with my 7.6. I thought that to understand that you reread it multiple times and had the same confusion about the plot, um, for that reason, I think I'm going to stay where I'm at. <laughs> what are your, okay, what's your solid. new rating? Solid. So I started with a 6.8. Um, is it bad that I want to go down? <laughs> I thought about going down, but I was like, no. <laughs> It's just, I mean, they tried, you know, <laughs> they did try and I feel so horrible doing that. I really do. So I'm just going to bring it down by 0.1. I'm going to, well, you know, 6.7. Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. Merry, Merry Christmas to, uh, to the creative team here. I really hope you're not watching this. Um, <laughs> I know it, it was, such, but, it would have been really great if it was like twice as long and you could have like, exactly. Embellished we needed more time stuff. with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm not saying like this was bad, like at all. I'm just saying, like, um, it was definitely confusing, but I did like the characters. I mean, if they're they're very close to making me read uh, Jedi Apprentice books, which I, I never thought I would ever do, so that has to count for something. Yeah, right? it, it just it does. It, it does, does raise like, a lot of questions. It, it definitely yeah. whets my appetite for more. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, we'll we'll give it some brownie points for that. <laughs> I, I know those don't count for real points, but. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Emily, thank you so much for, for coming on and for making this your second ever comic. That was like, it was super fun. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to be able to discuss with only one other person. I don't think either of us have ever done that. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, yeah, the conversation really moved. I got to talk a lot more than I do most of the time. <laughs> I just look back. <laughs> Uh, just because most of the time I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, so thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to have me on the show. Absolutely. Well, you're welcome back anytime. This is a blast. All right. So don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube, where you can watch us live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to subscribe to our audio version on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Be sure to visit utini.com for reviews, articles, and news for every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. We encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com discord, and you can help support the show by heading to patreon.com utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to J.G. Kars, O.K. Endar, Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, Carl Sander, and Earl Q. on our Jedi High Council, and Matt Billington, Tyler Latour, Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can tweet at the show at Cosmic Force Show or at the host individually. I'm at IrmaJedi26, and Emily is at Darth Daybeck. Thanks again to Emily for hosting with me, and a special thank you to our listeners for joining us. See everybody next week. Happy holidays, and may the Force be with you. Thank you.